Hey, what's going on? Hey, welcome to the pod. The pod. <laughs> the podcast, correctly mistaken, right here on the Anchor app. And West Wonder, I hope you guys are uh, getting ready to enjoy Happy Thanksgiving. It is Turkey Day, uh, one of my uh, best times of year uh, for the most part. Been a little tough this year in terms of adversity, but um, still here. The family's still here. Kids are good. Uh, wife is good. So we keep it moving. And we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to, once again, be around family and friends and eat some good food while we at it. Because, you know, I'm kind of a big dude. Well, gotten bigger over my years. At one point in time, I couldn't even... Uh, gained five pounds, let alone the 50-plus I've gained <laughs> in the past uh, probably five years or so. So uh, I'm been a big, big uh, sports day yesterday. Um, a lot of stuff that was going on in the in the world of sports, especially in basketball. Um, LeBron James returned back to Cleveland last night. Um, where this time it was a really good reception. I was, I wasn't surprised. Well, I guess I was surprised because I didn't hear any boos. I mean, usually you have those people who, no matter what the case may be, they're just going to be dumb and they're going to boo because of the fact that's who they are. That's what make them them, <laughs> and they're going to boo and. And uh, be disrespectful, but they didn't. Um, even from Cleveland, um, the organization had a nice video for him, um, kind of short, uh, sweet to the point. Um, wasn't something that was too long. I guess it could have been longer, maybe if I would have made it. Or I would have probably did it before the game. They did it during the first quarter, um, kind of showing you at the end of the day, still, still. Um, who is the owner in that team and Dan Gilbert and how he still, you kind of, kind of sense the acrimony that he has towards LeBron still, uh, because of the fact that, uh, you hear all the reports and saying that he wanted to have his team back and how he fired Ty Lue and, you know, how he, <laughs> he thinks he's a basketball guy, which is just so sad when it comes to these owners, man, that think that it, the greatest owners are the ones who understand the football people, the basketball people, the baseball people, or whatever the case may be. They understand where they are and their role that they play in a team winning a championship or having success. And Dan Gibble just doesn't seem to understand it. Jerry Jones has that complex issue in the NFL as well. It's just you gotta realize you've, you're already the you're already the billionaire. You know what I'm saying? Like you're already the billionaire. Like what are we talking about here? You've been successful to the point that you've made a billion dollars and put yourself in position where you can buy a team, a football team, a basketball team, a franchise. Why beyond me do you feel that if you are not the one making the decisions or the one calling the shots that you don't feel inadequate enough that 
you're actually getting credit for what's going on on the football field, on the basketball field, or whatever the case the hell may be. It's like, come on, man. You're a billionaire. You've had success. Why think that you have to become something that you're not? I keep talking about Robert Kraft, man. Robert Kraft is going to go down as one of the greatest owners in the history of sports. One of the greatest owners in the history of sports. And nobody's going to hold it against him that he didn't make any football decisions. He wasn't a guy that chose the 53-man roster. He wasn't a guy that chose who was going to come to the team in terms of draft picks or free agency. He allowed the people who know football, who know how to build a team, he allowed them to do their job. And Bill Belichick has been there now for, what, 16, 17 years? You can tell when there's stability in the franchise where you have ownership that understands, well, outside of the Wizards, because Teleosis, who's the owner of the Wizards, some kind of reason, I don't know why he continues to keep Ernie Grunfeld as his GM. <laughs> maybe at the end of the day, he may be one that might want to look at understanding basketball more or hiring somebody who does because for some kind of reason, and I'm not saying Ernie Grunfield doesn't understand basketball. It just comes to a point where you haven't had a lot of success. And Ernie, me being from the D.C. area, being really familiar with the Wizards and what they've done over the years, they've had some success in pockets. But it just seems to me that Ernie Grunfield doesn't understand, you know, in terms of building the team, it's kind of passed them by. But he continues to be at the helm in Washington where now you see what's going on in terms of the dysfunction with the Washington Wizards. And it's kind of tough, man, because I feel bad for a guy like John Wall and Bradley Bill. And what happens is when these things occur, um, a lot of other stories start coming out. Now, you know, John Wall is not is tough to play with. He's not easy to coach. Scott Brooks can't coach him because he just runs over him. And you hear all these bad, bad stories and um, bad-mouthing through media. A lot of times you don't know if it's the team leaking things, if it's actually, you know, actual credible resources. Or I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, sources. And I'm not saying the people that are reporting are not credible. I'm saying a lot of times, you know, when they hear things, you know, there's some, there's some maneuvering in terms of teams, like when that player gets traded and where they're gone, and all of a sudden stories come out saying they were this, they were that, and kind of trying to show ways of why they decided to move on, move along from the player, whatever the case may be, which, like when Deshaun Jackson left Philly or got traded from Philly, um, or really, I think it was released, I think he got traded, I think he got released, if I remember correctly. He got released from Philly, and all the stories came out of how the company that he kept and the people that he stayed with, and you know, a lot of that shit like that, man, where it's like, wow, I mean, you got to be, you know, kidding me how when somebody like Deshaun Jackson is, is surprised and shocked and all, like, what the hell? Like, if you want to get rid of me, just get rid of me. But don't sit here and bam off my name to try to justify it to the fan base of why you decided to move forward or move on from me. And the situation in D.C., it's similar, and John Wall's getting a lot, a lot, a lot of um, negative talk his way. Bradley Bill not getting much at all. Um, 
it's tough. I think with that situation, it has run its course. Um, I think after, I think they played, what, seven years together? I mean, and when you pay guys like Bradley Bill $100 million and John Wall, what you're giving him next year alone when his contract extension kicks in, he's looking at about $39 million a year plus for the next four years of that deal. Bradley Bill signed a $127 million contract, I believe, four years ago, if I'm correct. Um, a lot of money invested, but it just seems that it's not working. And now John Wall really can't trade him. That contract is crazy that he has. Not saying that he's not a good player that didn't deserve it, but a lot of times when you're a GM, you have to see the whole scape of things, the whole landscape, and understand, okay, giving him this money, what does that mean for our franchise going forward in terms of even chemistry on the court? And it seems to me that it's literally deteriorating in front of everybody's eyes, man. And it's crazy. I mean, Wall and Bill was considered one of the best backcourt tandems in the league. Now they're losing. I believe they lost the other day to go drop down to 5-12, and 12, which has been a disappointing season so far. But they're really stuck. Now... You do have Bradley Bill's contract. He's 25 years old. He has two years left, a better number in terms of salary. It's still 25 large, but he doesn't own like $140 million or whatever the case may be over the next couple of years. Unlike Otto Porter, who's also a wizard, that's owned $81 million over the next three years. Like, who the hell pays Otto Porter $100 million? I guess Ernie Grunfield does. And no disrespect to Otto Porter, he's a fine player. But to me, I, and I understand that was a year where the NBA had that so that influx of cash, and and they were, you know, had all this money under the cap and had all this extra money, so guys were just spending. But my goodness, a hundred million dollars to Otto Porter. I mean, that's what the market asks for Otto Porter, and I believe the Sacramento Kings gave him that deal on an offer sheet, and the Wizards wanted to keep him, so he had no choice. But it's like, let the Kings have him for $100 million. I mean, $106 million to Otto Porter? I mean, what the hell am I doing if Otto Porter could get $106 million to play basketball? And because of the fact, not because he's an elite player, just because of what the market have for him because of the fact that there was an offer she put in if the Wizards wanted to keep him and keep his services, they had to match that $106 million deal. And by the way, over a four-year span. <laughs> what the hell is going on in Golden State, man? The Golden State Warriors lost four straight game for the first time in this dynastic era. Now, they don't have Steph. They don't have Draymond. Kevin Durant is leading the way. I think Kevin Durant is starting to feel that shades of OKC where he's the best player on the team and he's the one that has to deliver us from evil and it seems that he is struggling to do so.
and it really goes by being said. Can the best player in the world or be considered a the best player in the world, he can't be the driving force behind a team winning a championship? Now, is he one of the main forces? Yes, two-time finals MVP. But a guy who can say, hey, come on my back for a consistent period of time and we can win a championship. I will lead you to the promised land in terms of a championship. I don't know. I think that's my belief why I feel he is going to leave because he's still going to have that moniker on him that he had to join up with a team that was already the championship team in order to even win or put himself in a position to win championships. He made it a lot easier. I know, I get it, easier shots. Who wouldn't want easier shots? But at the end of the day, it's not like you have decent a decent three-point shooter here or there, a guy that comes out here and he can really help you in terms of shooting and his productivity. No, your teammate is a two-time MVP, the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA, one of the great probably now all-time players in the league in Steph Curry, the second greatest shooter of all time in Klay Thompson, definitely the best shooting backcourt of all time. If you want to call him the second greatest shooter, which I think he is. I mean, Klay Thompson can absolutely fill it up, bro. (laughs) Fill it up. And it just really goes to show me, can Kevin Durant really be that guy? Now, do I care? No. (laughs) In the grand scheme of things, I don't care about any of it. But still can he be? After this tussle with Draymond, and that's what made me mad about Kevin Durant too, man. Like I know the cupcake and um, the, the the cupcake comments, the um, the sensitive comments that the other day he got fined, and next undisclosed, I think twenty five thousand dollars for cussing out somebody on the court side. It's just the dude is so sensitive, man. And I think when Draymond Green and him had that issue the other day, when Draymond said, we don't need you, we won without you, I'm, that definitely hurt his feelings. Because he probably felt that he was somebody that was really in on something. He had a good thing going on. But at the end of the day, for that to come out and for him to feel as if he wasn't needed in the first place, I'm sure that hurt Kevin Durant's heart. And that's going to be one of the reasons why, if Draymond Green is still a warrior, he probably won't be come next season. But he's just such a sensitive dude, man. It's like, man, you have nothing to prove to nobody. You're successful. You're now a champion. In terms of this entertainment era that we live in, you're one of the the key cogs of it that drive the whole entertainment stories in terms of professional athletes. I mean, you matter. 
<laughs> in, in, in this day and age, you matter. I mean, it's amazing to me. And like I said, I love sports better than the other guy. I think it's all so silly. LeBron James coming back to Cleveland last night, which was um, good to see. But it was funny when he was getting ready to come into the game and he walked in. I mean, you saw the security and stuff around him. And it was like the president was coming through, man. But I'm like, damn, this dude's a basketball player. He's a basketball player. He plays ball. And I know LeBron and these guys understand that. It's amazing to them how their ability to play a game puts them on such this platform. And only in this country does playing a game at that level, any type of professional game, put you on a platform like that in this country. Entertainment reigns supreme. And I get it, so many people make a living, so many people's livelihood is covering these teams and covering these players, but it's still silly, man. <laughs> the whole infrastructure of it is silly. And people should be really, really blessed to understand that this is, they get paid sometimes enormous amounts of money especially the top media members to be able to cover this game. And the players get paid enormous, insane amounts of money to play the game. That was a little something else for another podcast, but I had to throw that out there. But Kevin Durant, I just understand why he's so insecure. Poor fella. But I think he really thought when he won these championships it was going to give him some type of completion or make him feel as if, okay, I actually finally did something. And really, it's it's the opposite of the way around. People are saying, well, you jumped on a team. They already won. You were up three games to one. You guys know the story, man. And now you join the squad? Obviously, you could do whatever the hell you want to do. But people have the right to criticize. And then for him the other day when the situations go down with Draymond Green and all of a sudden he want to holler at reporters by don't ask me that again and be all this confrontational and in-your-face dude to media members. But you ain't say none of that shit to Draymond Green? You ain't want none of that smoke that Draymond had, but you running your mouth to reporters? Saying, don't ask me that again. Like, what you going to do if he did? Or she did? What the hell are you going to do about it? KD? What are you going to do? It's a big story. It happened in the public eye. It'd be one thing if it happened behind closed doors in the locker room. And then people have to speculate and get sources and tell what was said. But when you see it play out on the court and in this day and age with social media and all the people that can look at cameras, phones and all that shit that goes on now. 
What do you expect? Kevin? If it plays out in front of the whole national audience to see, it's going to be national news. And the media is going to still ask questions because guess what? Your entertainment and your entertainment on a professional sports team that's won championships and going for their third straight championship. That's huge. In this country. You what matters. It's going to be covered. You just have to figure out a way. To understand. The position that you're in. Be thankful and blessed for it. And don't worry about all that other. Crap that goes on. Because it's what's going to come with it. LeBron James understands that. It's what comes with it. But look at the trade-off. Look at the life you get to live. There's so many people, including myself, that go through the the day-to-day struggles. And a lot of times, I'm not saying because the money makes things, makes life perfect. But money answers a lot of damn questions. Money solves a lot of damn things. You ask most people, what are their top four or five issues? And if they could throw money at it, will it go away? Probably will. People that deal with paycheck to paycheck. People that deal with the car being broken down and now they got to fix it. And <laughs> wink, wink, myself. And you just can't go out there and pick up another car. You got to fix this one. So you got to go and get money and get your car fixed. And you have to sit around and wait for your car to get fixed because it ain't like you can go and just lease another Maybach or lease another Mercedes or have a driver where you have to worry about even driving a car. I don't think LeBron James even drives a car. If you see him on Instagram, he's always in the back seat. I'm sure the car is his that he owns. He has a driver for everything. It's probably his boy Randy Mims. Well, who's his chief of staff? Well, I wonder, would he be his driver? He probably wouldn't be his driver if he was his chief of staff. That probably won't be. That probably not probably not what he does. But it's like appreciate the trade-off that comes with things that you have to go through. Oh, people to ask you questions about Draymond and about your relationship, and you don't like it. Huh. But look at the trade-off, man. You ask a hundred people, you're probably going to get a hundred percent consensus. The hell yeah. Let me trade off for his for Kevin Durant's problems of being called a cupcake or being called a bandwagoner, a weak superstar. I'll take all that shit and trade off of knowing the life I'm going to live, not only for myself, but for my family and my children's children. I think that's a lesson, period, in terms of just focusing on the things that matter. Even the Joe Schmo folks like us, the average Joes, 
focusing, focusing on what matters. If you have children, that's what matters. And the legacy that you leave for them, the job that you have, the wife that you have, the husband that you have, whatever the case may be, focusing on the things that going to make your legacy lasting. And I know there's people, everyday people that focus on that, who don't have nowhere near the money or the resources that Kevin Durant has. And for some kind of reason, he tends to just still struggle. And I'm not saying because of the fact that he's a professional athlete, there's not any adversity that hits his life. I mean, right now, the biggest adversity he has in his life is that they're on a four-game losing streak for the first time in this era. Okay. That's all you got to deal with? You ain't got to worry about where the next food is going to come from or how your car note is going to get paid or how your mortgage is going to get paid. Or your kids want to play sports and figuring out how you're going to pay for that and and maintain still making sure that um, food's on the table. I mean, that's the trade-off, man. It's a tremendous trade-off. It used to be something I was jealous about and it used to really bother me. Like, man, like, but I do understand also there's a lot of work that's involved. It's tough work to be a professional athlete. What you got to do to your body and how you got to stay in shape and how you got to eat, that takes discipline. And, and do I say I had that type of discipline? No, I didn't. Hell, I played sports in high school. I couldn't keep my damn grades up. That's why I couldn't play half the time anyway. So you give those guys a certain amount of credit, well, a lot of credit because of the fact of becoming a professional athlete. It's very rare. It's tough business. I get it. You got to deal with your life being in the public eye. You got to deal with media scrutiny. People saying things that are probably not true. I'm sure there's a lot of things out there that are said that are not even true. And it makes you mad. It angers you, it upsets you, because a lot of times it may come out and attack the character that you are as a person, but that is what it is. You're an entertainment, man. But the trade-off is incredible. Look at the Kardashians. They're always in the news for some kind of reason. Kim, uh, I think the other, I think, what, Chloe, Courtney, yeah, see, look at that. Yeah, I knew their names. <laughs> My wife would be proud of me. But they go through, and, you know, Kim's married to that crazy coot Kanye. <laughs> Kanye West, man, is a whole other podcast for another day. But they go through things. It's in the public eye. It's in the media. But look at the trade-off. Look at the life that they get to live. Yeah, you got to deal with that. It's tough. 
But look at the trade-off, man. The trade-off, which makes it all worthwhile. Because if you ask other people, the average Joes, will you take that trade-off? I think you know the answer. Before I go, y'all, I want to talk about one more thing, man. I appreciate you guys listening, man. I saw the listeners. Um, I had an issue trying to post this thing up earlier because I uh, messed up in my cover art and I couldn't realize why they kept rejecting it. But your boy fixed it. And I was able to get my podcast out there and then people were starting to listen. So I appreciate that, man. But before I go, I want to talk about one more thing. The report that came out, I believe it was Sunday, from Adam Schefter, credible dude, another cat who embraces all this silliness and calling or and, and, and covering the NFL and what it is and all the drama of it. But he gets paid a pretty penny. Hell, I'll cover it too for a million, two million dollars a year. Shoot. I'll cover it and report it and tell this story and tell that story. Hell. And Adam Schefter is a great reporter, credible when it comes to the NFL. And he came out with a report that now it's been denied by the Browns. But usually when Adam Schefter makes a report, you can pretty much damn sure know that it was an actual story that was going on within the organization. It's just that I think something gets put out. They're trying to see public reception to it because when it comes to entertainment, the public reception, the fan base matters. And it's not something that doesn't get a lot of good traction. They'll come on and deny it. And I'm pretty sure they may tell Adam that. Like, hey, look, Adam, I know you got the story, but if our fan base doesn't like it, we get a negative outcry, whatever the case may be, we're going to go ahead and say the report wasn't true. And Polly Schefter says, okay, what the hell ever. Don't care. Or maybe he does. He may not say it on TV. Some reporters do get mad sometimes when that report comes out and that person denies the story. Or, you know, literally directly um, questions their credibility. Or whatever the case may be. But the story that came out um, on Sunday that... Condoleezza Rice, the former Secretary of State under um, the Bush 43 administration, was an actual candidate or somebody that the Browns wanted to interview for their head coaching position. Are you kidding me? I was going to drop an F-bomb. But I promised my daughter I wouldn't do that as much anymore. Because she's older and sometimes I tend to say it while I'm watching the silliness of the sports games. Because I love sports. <laughs> Even though I know it's all silly. And I know it's all entertainment. But I still love it. I'm And don't get me wrong, people. I'm sucked in too. I'm woke. But then I'm not. <laughs> because I love being a good football game and a great basketball game. But she 
was one of the people that the Browns wanted to interview for their head coaching position. And I just thought that was such an asinine story. Now, Condoleezza Rice is a very accomplished woman, went to Stanford um, on the college football committee, former secretary of state, somebody that's, in terms of success, she's been successful. And I'm not by any means knocking her success that she's had in her career because she's had it. Anytime you get up to secretary of state, when the president of the United States wants you to be the main person in foreign relations for the world in terms of representing the country to the world, that's a big deal. So by, not any, by any means am I knocking Condoleezza Rice for the woman that she is. I'm sure she's a tremendous woman. I don't know if she's married, but she's probably a tremendous wife. I wonder, I'm sure she does have children. I'm sure she's a tremendous mother and a great person all the way around. And somebody who is a sports fan, who's a lifelong Browns fan. Like I said earlier, it's on the college football committee, I believe. I believe she's still on the college football committee. She may not be. I wonder if they switch people out every year. So she may not be. I'm not sure. But she was on there at one point in time. But for her to even be considered as the head coach of the Browns or even get an interview, it's asinine. It's ridiculous. And no, it's not because she's a woman. I don't mind a woman having an opportunity. I mean, you're seeing it now in the NBA. Becky Hammond is on the staff for the uh, San Antonio Spurs with Craig Popovich. She used to be the one the coaches behind. Uh, I think the coach left for Charlotte, and now she's been promoted to the front bench next to Pop. Because those are the actual assistants. You have the like, you know, personnel director, player personnel shooting coaches, or whatever the case may be, they're using in that back row. But then you have the actual assistant coaches who up front that stay with the coach. Becky Hammond is there now. And probably one day she'll be a head coach. She was the head coach of their um, summer league team, did a hell of a job. So I'm not saying that women can't do these jobs. What I'm saying is Condoleezza Rice isn't somebody you should be interviewing for that position. And she's only getting that that consideration because of the fact that she's Condoleezza Rice. And in today's NFL, you've seen this many women that have opportunities that come on during the off seasons in terms of the or the preseason or training camp. I think Bruce Arians hired a intern during the summertime last year to be a coach. She was a female. Um, I think Rex Ryan was the first one to hire a female uh, quality assistant coach with Buffalo. I think she's still there. So you have women who are being who are in the NFL in the coaching ranks. And if you're going to start opening yourself to women, then actually go for the women who have the credibility of being in the National Football League of coaching football, being around football, being around the coaches, being around the players, earning the reputation of somebody who, if they had a chance to be the head coach, even though she's a woman, and that itself is something, 
but she'll have the respect. So when she gets in that place, she's not trying to show her resume to prove that she belongs where she is. Like, I get the whole former player thing where, you, like, in the NBA, a lot of these former players, uh, uh, Jason Kidd comes to mind, Luke Walton comes to mind. Um, I'm trying to think anymore off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Um, but guys who played the game who are not far removed and instantly going to coaching, I mean, sometimes, and you and instantly go to head coaching. I mean, coaching is one thing, but some of these guys are coming right from the bench to being, or I'm sorry, the bench of being a player to the bench of being the coach. So going from one side of the bench to the top of the bench. <laughs> and I get that, but now you're going to an area where somebody who is a fan of the Browns and because she loves football, she's qualified to be your head coach. Because anytime you're going to interview somebody, like when you have an interview process going on, you look through resumes and you want to see who's qualified. So by them wanting to interview Condoleezza Rice, according to Adam Schefter, they feel as if that she's qualified for the job at hand. And that's ridiculous. There are women in the NFL who are coaching, who are around the teams, who are around the players, who are around these organizations, are much more qualified if you want to go the woman route than Condoleezza Rice. I mean, what the hell, man? What the hell? And if she has to come out with a statement by saying she's not ready to coach yet. Like, no, you're not. You're never going to be ready to coach. You've never done it. I mean, least a player who goes to a head coaching job from retirement like Jason Kidd did. At least he's been around the game for so long, played basketball, been around coaches, um, been around organizations, relationships within the league. It's an easy transition. But Condoleezza Rice is somebody that's, I believe she's a professor, um, if I'm not correct, or she was at one point in time uh, when she left office in terms of when she left office after Bush's, um, uh, I think, I think, I don't know, I think 05 to 09. So I think his second term in office, she was his secretary of state. And she's done other things, I'm sure, in the private sector. And I'm sure she's made a ton of money. Because most people who leave presidential cabinets go on to private sectors and make a ton of money. Or they write books. Or they charge a lot of money for their appearance fees to make speeches. So they're well taken care of post their cabinet career. But she hasn't, she's a football fan. She loves football. But she's not in the trenches every day like a lot of other women who coaches have given opportunities to. I believe the lady's name is Catherine Smith in Buffalo. If not, I apologize. But it's just like they, those are women who are more qualified to do what she's 
supposedly was going to be interviewed to do. Now, the Browns did come out and deny the report. And like I said, when Adam Schefter reports it, usually it's not something that was not true. But it's not a surprise they denying it because they probably didn't get the the reception from the fan base that they wanted. They sure as hell didn't get that reception from me. Because I was like, that is asinine. There should be no reason why that she's on your radar to interview to be the head coach of a football team. It's just, it, it's just, it's stupid. And it's offensive to women who are in the league who don't get that opportunity to even get interviewed because they're not Condoleezza Rice. See, a lot of this stuff is big splash. It's entertainment. So what would keep fans coming? What would fill up the seats? What would sell season tickets? Condoleezza Rice being your head coach? Hell, I'll watch, even though I think it's stupid. I think it's asinine. But if she was to get that job, man, I'd be front and center because I would be fascinated to see her on that sideline with those headset on and being the coach of this team, having a game plan, having to prepare for teams, having to do everything that goes into being a coach. Now, I think what she would do is she'd probably delegate and hire. She seems like a smart woman, a smart woman. So... Well, I'm sure she is. You not you don't become the Secretary of State not being a smart human being. But I'm sure people who are usually smart, they tend to put people around them who can help them be successful because you're only as good as the people that you put around you. And I think Secretary Rice understands that. And if she had that opportunity, she'd probably put people around her who would help her be successful. But it would just still be ridiculous. And you have women who are in this league. Give them an interview, John Dorsey. If the young lady for Buffalo wants to interview for the job and she reaches out, give her an interview. Because if you're open to women, give those women who are within the NFL, give them an interview. And if you don't, we all know why you didn't. Because when you look at Catherine Smith, I believe that's her name for the Buffalo Bills, and Condoleezza Rice, because this is entertainment and big names do matter, and selling season tickets and putting people listening and making your team continue to be relevant, even though if they're not, Names go a long way. But in this situation, in this particular situation, that name should not only go a long way, it should be put away. Put far away when it comes to being the Browns' head coach. It's ridiculous. And it's offensive to the other women who are putting in the time, the effort, and the energy at a game that they love and they're paying their dues. 
Give those women an opportunity. If I hear John Dorsey interviewing women around the league who are coming in there, then I'll have respect. But I mean, like what? What's next, bro? Like, Beyonce shows interest in the Houston Texans because she's from Houston. So because of that, they're going to interview for the job that they were to happen to fire Bill O'Brien. I mean, they're not. They're on a seven-game win streak. They're rolling right now. But let's say the job came open and Beyonce was a lifelong Texans fan and she had season tickets and she had her own booth. Would a report come out that they're going to interview her for the job? I mean, I get it. It's entertainment. Names matter. But it gets to the point where it just gets stupid. And that is stupid. If you're going to hire people, hire the ones that are putting the time in. Who have put the time in. Either coaching or playing. But because you're on a college football committee that sits back and selects the four best teams to be in the playoff, And because of the fact you grew up a lifelong Browns fan, you're qualified to coach them. Get the hell out of here. That's it, y'all. That's the podcast, man. I appreciate you guys listening, man. I'm happy Thanksgiving once again to you all, all your families, your friends. Hope you guys have a blessed and safe Thanksgiving. Eat all that food. Enjoy yourself. I'm going to do the same. My Cowboys play a 430. Big game. Colt McCoy is the starter now. Kind of nervous because I don't trust my Cowboys when it comes to big games. Um, We tend to play better where people kind of put us to the back burner. Now we're right back with opportunity to claim the division. And, yes, I'm going back into this because I wanted to talk about this a little bit. <laughs> now it just came to my head. But now we're back in a position where we can claim the NFC East or put ourselves in the driver's seat. I don't know what's going to happen. We should win. We're at home. Uh rescuing team that has three offensive linemen that are out for the year. Alex Smith, the starting quarterback, is out for the year. Um, God bless him with his broken leg, praying for a quick recovery. Colt McCoy now is the starter, but in 2014, Monday Night Football, he came to Dallas and he beat us. And that year, we were a pretty good team. I think we were like 12-4 and that year. And he came and he beat us. And this is a big game. So we'll see what happens. No No Mitchell Trubisky. In the Bears and Lions game, I think Sunday night football is Falcons and Atlanta. Falcons and look, I said Falcons and Atlanta. I meant the Falcons at the Saints. <laughs> so we'll see what goes down there as well. So it'll be a great day of football as well. So you guys enjoy yourself, man. Enjoy your families. Um, have a good time. Um, and be safe, man. That's what matters. If you're going to have a couple drinks, Make sure you don't drive when you do it. And just be cool, man.
This is Correctly Mistaken on the Anchor app. I'm your boy, Wes Wonder, man. I'll be back soon. Y'all be blessed. Peace.